On the line, everybody, we have Bianca Dickerson Williams, and her documentary is talking about why are moms of color at risk in the delivery room? And we've been seeing this so prevalent in the news, and I don't think people are aware of what's happening to black women in the delivery room. How you doing today, Bianca? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me, BJ. Um, I'm very excited to talk to you all about this pressing issue uh, in the United States. Yes, and I I was looking forward to uh, speaking with you because I want to know, and we want Black America to know what happened to you at UCLA Medical Center during the delivery of your second child. Sure. So I went into the hospital um, at 40 weeks, and I'd had no complications, no medical uh, history in terms of pre-existing conditions. And when I arrived, I was immediately given an epidural. Mm-hmm. And I had been in the hospital for numerous hours, and the night nurse noticed that the Pitocin valve had been improperly turned on. And for your listeners that may not know, Pitocin is the drug that is used to induce labor uh, for a mother and cause contractions. And the nurse said, hey, I'm going to reach out to the doctor and see how she wants to handle this situation. Uh, The nurse came back and said, we're going to proceed with the birth as is. And um, my Pitocin was increased. And the next thing I know, it's like, okay, we're ready to have a baby. Uh, eventually the doctor shows up. She was not there um, when all of these events were transpiring. Uh, when she finally showed up, she instructed me to get my legs into the birthing position. And I explained to her uh, that I was unable to do so because I was numb completely from the waist down. So she instructed a nurse to get my legs into the position. She did. And when I pushed the second time, uh, the nurse inadvertently looked away and let go of my leg. Mm. And I didn't feel anything. And again, I'm under this epidural. I didn't feel anything. And I think that most people, especially, you know, individuals that are not medically trained, uh, they're not thinking very much of it. So, so my we, leg drop, you put it back to position. Yeah, but yeah, so why did why did she do that? Did she explain what was going on at that time? Um, there were no stirrups um, on the bed. And I believe that they were in a frenzy and in a hurry, and they were not prepared uh, for the birthing process. And I think that that's where, you know, all of this goes south. And a lot of the things that I've alleged um, in my complaint for my lawsuit um, really go into details uh, in regards to what was actually occurring in the room. My husband and I were even taking pictures Mm. of everything that was happening in the room. And... Lo and behold, um, what winded up occurring was the leg drop caused severe catastrophic neurological damage to my lower extremities Mm. in my pelvis, Mm. my legs. And it took me three years, BJ, to uncover all of this because uh, we believe and we allege in our complaint that the hospital was covering up everything that occurred. Uh, We also allege that they altered our medical records. Wow. And I was within the UCLA system for six months. And during that six-month period, I was not able to get an image or a blood test of any kind. I was asking the doctor, hey, can we get an MRI? I'm having stabbing sensations in my lower extremities. I truly believe that something is off. And no one listened to me. Mm. And I believe that 
there is this notion that black women, brown women, we can take more pain than other racial groups. So that's a that's a and classic that, example of uh, implicit bias in the medical field when it concerns us. Like they don't feel like uh, we're invincible to pain and so they can keep going and yeah. we're complaining and telling them, look, I'm in pain. I need help. And I know that epidural yeah. is very important in childbirth. It helps to alleviate uh, pain. But the downside is while it's helping to alleviate pain, you also lose feeling and sensation. Mm. And had feeling and sensation, I would have been able to protect myself uh, from the injuries that I had sustained. Nonetheless, it took me three years to finally begin to get some diagnoses and understanding around the extent of my injuries uh, because I really wasn't getting better. I wound up having to have multiple surgeries. And even with those corrective surgeries, um, I will still have a lifelong treatment that will be necessary uh, for me. And a part of the reason why I've been going out and sharing my story uh, with the world is I want to prevent this from happening to someone else because very often, and this is also with black men, you know, we're often challenged by our complaints or what we feel that we're experiencing. And it is racism. It is stereotypes and it is bias. And in order to break those stereotypes and those biases, we have to start having the conversation. So Bianca, talk about, how the hospitals worked in concert to falsify your medical records because you traveled around the country. You know, it's, it's one of those things, the, the, the way that I would, you know, describe it and, and how I would compare it is to the same way in which a police report is written by a police officer. Mm. Every time a traffic stop is made or an altercation happens, even in a domestic situation, a police officer is required to pull out a sheet of paper and document what happened. Okay. However, the person that's involved in the situation, they have no say so on what's being written. And sometimes they don't even receive a copy of what is being written. A medical report, a doctor's consultation operates the same way. And that's why it's very scary because they're in control of the narrative. So if they say, this is what happened when you were in my medical office, or this is what happened when I pulled you over. Think about that for a second. If you're the, the of this entire story. So it's the same thing. It's the same systemic racism that we see in other institutions, whether they be the healthcare system, the police system, or even the legal system. Um, You know, when you walk into a room, the first thing that someone sees is your skin color. And whether we want to acknowledge it or not, we all, when we see a particular person of a particular skin color, we will all have some sort of preconceived notion about that individual, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. What do you think now that you have that experience, what, what do you think black women and brown women should be doing with childbirth? You know, I appreciate you asking me that um, because that is one of the big items on the table that everyone is discussing. And I believe going forward, if I were to have a child again, or if I was to advise someone on uh, what type of pregnancy uh, measures they should take or what they should actually do, um, I would actually encourage you to look into midwives Mm. as well as us. And that is considered to be something that we did ages ago. And we got away from that and we got more into giving birth at hospitals with tons of machines. And the reality is, if you are a black woman, I would discourage you 
from even entering the hospital unless you had a doula with you. Wow. Because that's your advocate. And sometimes people struggle to advocate for themselves. And the reason is we've been trained to think that doctors are smarter than us and that doctors know more than we do. Right. And that's not true. You know your body better than anybody. And if we start endorsing that and believing that, we will have the confidence to advocate you know, for ourselves. But it's interesting, BJ, because I was having this conversation with my father and my father's mother gave birth to 12 children, mm. 12. And my dad looked in my face and said, she never had one issue. She was giving birth at home with midwives and doulas. And he also said, you know, 40, 50 years ago, you didn't even hear about women having postpartum depression. It wasn't even, a, wow. it wasn't even a thing. Bianca, you just made me think of something because on my, my mother's side, they had 11 children. On my father's side, they had 10 children. So, Bianca, when did we have all these problems with black women and brown women having these problems with childbirth in the delivery room? I truly do believe that as technology and medicine has advanced in the United States, westernized culture our culture, I believe, is to blame. You know, in other countries where they truly view giving birth as a natural process, something that God intended, it is treated as such and it's handled as such. And I think here in the United States, we've gotten away from that. And we want to bring in technology and bring in physicians. And I've been reading Lots of literature on where a lot of these stereotypes arose. And BJ, the the truth of the matter is a lot of them arose during slavery. Mm. And we were the guinea pigs. Mm. We were the guinea pigs doctors to perform stitching, to assess whether or not a particular treatment would be useful or not. And that's where a lot of that started in terms of, well, a black woman can take more pain than anybody. And if you think about it, if we go back to, let's say, 1860, right before the... uh, the, the, the slavery was abolished, you will see and you will read literature that we went from having midwives and doulas to having white men say, oh, this is profitable. I actually want to get in on this. And they then start becoming the treaters of the birthing process versus a midwife or doula. It was a business. Wow. It was a profitable. And we were, we were the guinea pigs. And I still believe today that we're the guinea pigs. You know, even when you look at COVID, and the vaccinations and certain communities and things of that nature. Again, the data is very similar. You know, we had more deaths in your black and brown communities from COVID. And the same thing is happening with regards to maternal health. Black women are dying three to four times more likely to die and be injured in childbirth than any other race in the United States. Those are statistics from the Center for Disease Control. I'm looking at one right now, uh, Bianca. It's a black women make up most of those deaths at 69.9% compared to their white counterparts at 26.65%. And what what made me uh, almost pass out, I was reading that a white woman with a GED will have a better experience, a better outcome, and be treated better than a black woman with an advanced degree. Mm. And I tell you, BJ, Everything about me on paper reads as if this should not have happened to me. Yes. The only thing that exists is my skin tone. I was highly educated. Uh, I have a Juris Doctorate degree. I was at one of the best hospitals in the United States. 
I had top of the line healthcare insurance. I had a Blue Cross Blue Shield PPO. Wow. And I was doing financially well. So on paper, I should not have fallen into that statistical category, but I did. And the only reason that I've been able to come up with as I've been in this, you know, journey is the color of my face. Imagine what it's like for a 20, 21 year old black woman who has uh, maybe one year of college and she's trying to advocate for herself and she's being treated like she is, you know, a second class citizen. And that is the treatment. Wow. I mean, this is just fascinating to me. It's really eye opening that we're we're beginning to hear more and more about, you know, what's going on with childbirth with black women and brown women. It's like nobody really cares. Right. I think what it is, is that we have been trained as a society, all races, that doctors should be believed they're like Jesus and everything that they say is truthful and that their intention is to take care of us and do good to us. But the reality of it is, I need you to remember that you can be a KK member, a KKK member, and walk into a medical office with a white coat on and nobody actually know mm. who you're feeling with. When you think about the Proud Boys, yeah. right? They have jobs. They have jobs, BJ. Yeah. They could be making your sandwich at Subway. Do you think that they're doing something to us while we're pregnant when we go for these prenatal exams, do you think something is being done to us? You know what, BJ, I think it's a really good question. And I think that what is happening is that when we complain about anything, we're not believed. And I believe that when they look into anything that we're complaining about, their go-to is narcotics instead of truly investigating and looking at our symptoms. And I also think that we are the guinea pigs for medicine. You know, we're trying to figure out if COVID, the COVID vaccine is going to kill somebody. You know, well, let's try it on this person. I, did, I, I know so many people who told me, I went to the hospital for COVID and they sent me home because they told me that they didn't have enough beds. And then I would talk to my neighbor who's white and then find out that they got a bed. Wow, wow. It's and again, it's a lot to process, BJ. Because as human, you know, as as humans, we're not thinking that a healthcare provider, because they're like Santa Claus, we're not thinking that they are capable of giving us a bed or giving us a particular type of treatment, you know, based on our race. But it's it's true. It's happening. The data is there. This is supported by statistical data, and unfortunately. Uh, everything that you see happening with black men with police is the exact same thing that's happening with black women in the delivery room. And it took a while, I think, for people to accept the fact that doctors are racist too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just because you're a doctor doesn't mean that you're wow. not racist. You know what? We're when you're talking, I'm listening to you, it's like we're innocent lambs and we're being ushered into these hospitals and wolves. Are, yes. are caretakers. Yes. And think about it this way, BJ. Imagine this. You know, you hear about Africa being a third world country. You hear about all these third world countries. They have no medicine. They don't have technology. They don't have the best doctors. But yet, they have safe pregnancies. God intended for us to give birth. And when my dad looked me in my face and he says, my mother had 12 children and she was given birth in the 40s and 50s and never had an issue. That's because we were still using doulas. All this technology wasn't being used. We were not being ushered into hospital. People were giving birth at home. Mm, 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 mm. At home with their mother 
to them in their bathtub with their mother next to them. That's how we gave birth in the 40s and the 50s. We don't even think that's possible now, you know? We don't. We, we, we absolutely, but you know, I think of it this way. How many times have you heard people say, we want to give you this drug and, you know, the FDA is behind it and this large pharmaceutical company is behind it. And then someone else say, you know what? I used herbs and spices mm. and, I, and, I'm, and I'm so much better. We've gotten away from using natural remedies to solve our problems. And we're going straight to pharmaceutical companies to do things that we were able to do. Right. I have spent the majority of my career in electronic evidence discovery. So when you ask me, how did I, you know, what's the deal with the altered records? That's how I was able to figure out that they had altered my records. You have to get different copies at different times and you start comparing them. And it happens far more frequently than people realize it. Most people, BJ, don't even have their medical records yet alone can notice if changes have been made right. to them. It's just a police report. When you went to Capitol Hill and you were so eloquent in making your case, did anybody in the legislative body say, can I talk to you over here for a minute and I want to help you get your story out? Did anybody try to endear themselves to you? Okay, so that's, a, that's an amazing question, BJ. It's kind of like a yes and a no. The reality of it is you're one of a gazillion women that this is now happening to. And I essentially began to buy my way into Congress. So I began working with a lobbyist. Okay. And the lobbyist would say, hey, Bianca, I'm going to invite you to certain things so you can rub elbows with these people. Well, that costs money to have a lobbyist. People don't realize that. Um, when you have a lobbyist, you're paying them to lobby for you to Congress. Well, guess what? Who the hell has the money to pay a lobbyist? Right, right. So how much money okay. how much money are you talking about? You're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars, I would assume. Yes, 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 BJ, yes. I have spent just on my trial six hundred thousand mm. dollars. That's not normal, BJ. That's wow. not normal. Wow. That is not normal. Right. And that is the point I'm trying to make here. When you look at somebody like me that stereotypically does not fit into that box. How then do you explain this? I wasn't prohibited by money. I had money. Yeah. I wasn't prohibited by bad health insurance. I had phenomenal health insurance. Right. I was prohibited by not being able to articulate my symptoms. I have a doctor degree myself, just like the physicians do. Wow. wow. So how do we, how do we then, once you have all that in your face, how do we explain this other than my black skin? Because that's the only thing that's present, BJ. That's it. I don't know if you heard about Judge Hatchett. She's a famous African-American judge. Yes. Her daughter died at Cedar sinai Hospital. Her credentials look very similar to mine. This is happening to educated black women. Wow. I mean, I would... This is not the kids that are in the projects that are 16 years old and fall into that stereotype. And, you know, it's funny. My father said to me, well, they want to kill off the smarter generation. You are educated women giving birth to guess what? Educated kids. You're right. going to educate your kids if you're educated. I think he's. I think he's on to something. I think we should not dismiss yeah. what he's saying. I mean, this yeah, is, it's, it's, it's frightening. Yeah, th- this is the time to tell the truth, regardless of the circumstances. Because I have a 16 year old niece that's about to give birth, and she's in uh, a correctional facility. And oh. What 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 are you what Be, talk to me? You know, like you just hit a nerve, and the reason is 
my cousin was incarcerated when she gave birth and she was chained to the mm. handcuffed bed and she had a better outcome than me. Oh my God. Did you, did you, did you think about that for wow. a second? Wow. And that kind of goes back to, we're okay with the black women that we deem are as messing up yeah. or just going to be a problem for society. We'll make sure that you have a safe pregnancy. But you educated women? Mm. <laughs> oh, hell no. Oh, you, you, you are not about to re- reproduce more educated black people. Okay, so, no. so Bianca, you, let me ask you this. So, so, Bianca, is this a trend? Is, 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 are the major- I want to say majority, but is a big percentage of the cases with women of your um, stature in, yes. the, in, the, in the black community? Yes. Oh, Correct. no. Yes. yes. Yes, that's why they started looking at levels of education in comparison to white women. That's how they figured out white women with GEDs have better outcomes than black women with advanced degrees. So you're telling me that if my skin is white and I just graduated from the 12th grade, that you're going to have a better outcome than me. I'm more educated. I have more you know, influence and affluence or whatever word you want to use. But I'm more likely to die because of my skin tone. Yeah, that's the answer. And I, I, I hear you with a 16-year-old niece that is getting ready to give birth. She's going to be just fine, DJ. I promise you. I hope so. But this is this should frighten but all of us. You, yes. I want you to share my story with her because here's she needs to have someone in the room with her that has nothing to do with that hospital. If you can find a doula. Uh, before she gives birth, that would be best. They're not expensive at all. Some of them do it for free. Um, and you can go to your local um, black maternal health nonprofit organizations in your local community and they'll supply you with one. A lot of them will give you one for free. You have to have an advocate in the room. And because she's young, that's what the doctors are going to see. Not only is she black, she's young. So she really, so, it, so in my mind, she really doesn't know anything. Does the average black woman listening to what you just said even consider having a doula? Nowadays, no. But I think that in light of everything that's being talked about around this issue, because Serena Williams has talked about this. Um, Allison Felix, the Olympic track star, has talked about this. They both had horrific birthing experiences. And Serena Williams blatantly said, it wasn't until my white husband showed up and demanded that they check me for a blood clot that I actually got service from them. Mm. So in that moment, I was no longer famous Serena Williams. I was a black girl again, just a black girl. Wow. A little chocolate black girl <laughs> laying in the bed. It wasn't until her white husband showed up mm. that she began to receive proper care. Wow. And she's famous. You know, Beyonce has talked about it. So many celebrity women have discussed traumatic experiences in the birthing room. And they have all said, if I wasn't famous, I, they would have killed me. Wow. Oh, my God, Bianca. This is. Oh, boy. Please, God, help us. Help us get this information out to our sisters. It's sad. And um, I look forward to following up with you because I am going to D.C. next week you know, to have more conversations around this. I'm a part of a caucus. It's called the Mama's Caucus. And Cory Booker is a part of it. Um, Other uh, African-American congresswomen are a part of it that have been looking to change the narrative around Black maternal health. But yeah, BJ, they're killing us just like they kill Black men in the streets. And it's personal because I come from a law enforcement family. I grew up in a law enforcement family. And it's a system. 
just like just like the police system. It's the hospital is a system, and we don't realize that it's a system. We walk in thinking that it's a church. Mm-mm-mm-mm. But they're gonna take good care of me because that's that's yes, <laughs> yes, yes. No, it's not a church, y'all. It's a slaughterhouse. It's slavery. Wow. Come on in and be my guinea pig, and if you die, uh, so be it. Wow. You know, and 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 you wouldn't know about Judge Hatch's daughter, you know, dying at Cedar Side, and I had she not been famous and had connections. My God. Why are moms of color at risk in the delivery room? Bianca Dickerson Williams is on the show. <laughs> and, and and give out give out that contact information one more time and how we can get the documentary uh, and watch that. Uh, you need to you need to have a documentary watch party with a bunch of sisters watching this. Right, 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 right. It's uh on YouTube, Black Moms at Risk, as well as Flores Dickerson on Instagram. But if you go to YouTube and you simply type in Black, Black Moms at Risk, The Dark Secret of the U.S. Health System with my name, Deonta Dickerson Williams, uh, it'll pop up for you. And the name of the nonprofit is Fighting Our Injustices for Women of Color. And that's launching uh, on a website next week as well.